Hello and welcome from Good Shepherd Church of Camarillo. We're so glad you're with us. Here's today's message. I want to start this morning by asking you a question. How is your heart today? How is your heart? Have you ever been asked that question? You know, sometimes there's the question, how are you doing? But then maybe someone's asked you before, how is your heart doing? It can be kind of a hard question to answer because it requires us to be open and, and vulnerable and to express how we're feeling, which a lot of us have a harder time with. Now, to help you answer that question, I want you to imagine that you have a sketch pad and, and a pen or pencil and imagine that I give you this assignment to draw a picture of the condition of your heart. I want you to imagine that for a second. I actually did that one time. I was asked to draw a picture of the condition of my heart or describing how is my heart. And it came at a very interesting time. Um, I was, it, it was at a, a ministry conference where uh, the people attending were supposed to break into small groups, and that was our instruction, was to uh, draw a picture of the condition of your heart and to share it with, with your small group. The reason why it was so, um, such an interesting time for me to do that is because of what had happened the night before. I was going to be attending this conference with a friend, and through a series of circumstances, um, we, were, we were getting ready to leave, and um, my friend's dad w- had been bat- uh, through this long battle of cancer, and he was in, in the late stages uh, of battling cancer. And that night, uh, w- as we were getting ready to leave to go to this conference, he took a major turn for the worse. And so we stayed back, of course. And that night he progressed, got worse and worse, and took his last breath that night. And, and I had just happened to be there with my friend and my friend's family and, and other family friends happened to be there surrounding uh, right, right at his bedside as he took his last breath. and, and uh, it, w- it was a very uh, deep moment of grief and, and of, of m- sadness and, and yet at the same time, these mixed feelings with rejoicing at the same time because he, he knew his Savior, Jesus Christ, and we knew that he was face-to-face with Jesus. But going through that experience was a, a very deep time of grief that I was carrying. And uh, the next day, I went out to this conference and as I arrived, that was uh, the instruction uh, as we broke into small groups is draw a picture of the condition of your heart. And I remember distinctly what I drew. I drew just a heart and I drew uh, a heavy weight hanging from, from the heart. And I said to the group, I said, my heart is is just so heavy right now. And I explained what had happened, the um, experience that 
I had gone through the night before and, and wanting to be there for my friend and my friend's family and, and as they suffered this loss and they all understood, of course. They understood that picture. I did, it didn't take a lot of explanation for them to understand that that is what my heart is feeling like. If you had to draw a picture of your heart, what would you draw? Is your heart anxious because of all the news that you've been taking in? Is, is your heart sad because of losses that you might be grieving? Is your heart filled with fear of the virus or fear of an uncertain future? Or is your heart overflowing with frustration or anger toward maybe toward governing officials that are telling you what you should and shouldn't do right now. Maybe your heart feels like stone. Maybe you're hard-hearted to the things of God. Or maybe your heart feels like a desert. Maybe you feel bone dry of spiritual things. Maybe your heart is lonely. Or maybe your heart is just empty. Maybe your picture of your heart would just be empty. Like you've got nothing left to give. Or maybe your heart is feeling rotten right now. Maybe there's sins that are tearing you apart. Maybe you're feeling defeated by sin. Maybe how you've been treating someone or maybe a destructive habit or maybe the enemy that is accusing you and telling you that you're a failure and you're feeling unworthy of any good. Maybe on the flip side, maybe your heart is filled with joy. Maybe you're experiencing a season of blessings right now or a, a time of great peace in your heart. Maybe even amidst hard times. Maybe God's grace is overflowing from you. Your heart is, is dwelling on the blessings that God's given you. Life and, and salvation through Jesus and eternal hope. I've got good news if your heart is in that condition that God has even more to give you. So wherever you are, whatever the condition of your heart, something is filling our hearts. Something is taking up space in our hearts. And this today is, a, like I said, marks the, the beginning of the season of Advent. And this Sunday is really the beginning of, of the Christmas season, the season in which we sing, joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. And I love this next line. This is what I want to be focusing on this season in our message series. Let every heart prepare him room. I'm going to ask you today, is your heart ready to receive all that Jesus wants to give you? If you look up here at the Advent wreath, today we, we lit the candle of hope. The other candles in this ring, it's, it's, it's hope, love, joy, and peace. 
Now, sometimes those words, especially in Advent, maybe just kind of get cluttered, you know, just get, get lost amidst the clutter. And you start to, to not even think as deeply about what those words actually mean and, and how Jesus wants to give us love, joy, and peace, and hope. But that's what he brings us through his coming to this earth. And wow, what a season right now to let those words just ring so true in our hearts. We looked around in our world, do, do we need hope? Do we need love? Do we need joy? Do we bring, do we need peace? Jesus was the perfect fulfillment of every one of those words. And he wants us to have our hearts prepared to receive everything that he is and all that he wants to give us. Do you have room in your heart for everything that Jesus wants to give you? Most of us are honest. I think we would admit that our hearts are filled maybe with fears or worries or anxiety or frustration or anger or even distractions. So how do we make room in our hearts for everything that Jesus wants to give us. What I want to look at today, and I want to look specifically at two different passages. One of them was already read by Greg, Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to cross over into Matthew chapter 3, and we'll reference uh, some, some of these verses and early verses in Matthew chapter 3 about the fulfillment of Isaiah 40. And really what this is talking about is clearing the way, clearing the way for what Jesus has for us, clearing the way for what Jesus wants to give us. Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5, says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, it says, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight his paths. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now the picture that we see here is, it comes from a custom in ancient times that when a king was going to arrive somewhere, was going to be heading to a new place, the king would send messengers ahead of him so that the, a road might be made. A road would be made level and smoothed out for the king's journey and prepared for the king's arrival. And this prophecy in Isaiah 40 here is, is speaking to that. It's giving that image of a king that is coming and to prepare the way. 
And this prophecy then is fulfilled in the person of John the Baptist. As John the Baptist came before, was sent on ahead of Jesus, he was born for that purpose, to prepare the way for Jesus and to prepare the way for the message that Jesus would bring. Turn, if you would, if you have a Bible, to Matthew chapter 3 now. We're going to read just the first three verses. Set the stage here. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. So just like a road would be constructed and leveled out for a visiting king, John the Baptist came and he called the people, here's what he called the people to do, is to, to clear away everything that would be an obstacle to the coming of Jesus, everything that would be an obstacle to the message that Jesus would bring to them. And this is basically what John the Baptist was saying, is Jesus is coming. Drop everything and get ready to welcome him. What does it mean for you to drop everything and get ready to welcome Jesus? You know, the first thing it means for each one of us is, is to allow God to clear out what doesn't belong. A few weeks ago, we were in Texas visiting Christie's family and all of Christie's family as it's growing and more and more kids and more of her siblings getting married. Uh, when we're all together, there's a lot of people there and they live out on a beautiful hobby ranch, plenty of space out there, a beautiful place uh, and, and a good sized house, several bedrooms. But as the family grows, there's less and less space for people to stay in the house. And they have another building out back. It was the original building on their property that uh, they call a barn. I call it a shed um, just because of where I came from. And out in that shed, they have a living quarters out there that they've used uh, many years ago. And there's, a, there's a, a room in there that they call the bunkhouse. And it's got some bunk beds and it's got a bathroom and uh, but over the last several years, it's kind of become just a storage room. Like that's, that's often what happens with unused space, right? You just put all the stuff that you don't need or maybe you don't know what to do with it. You just, you just stick it in a storage place, in a place, a space that is not being used. Well, as their family's growing, we're starting to see like, hey, we could use that bunkhouse. You know, we could... We could really make use of that space out there. And so some of us went out there, and uh, Christy is, is the mover, and the, kind of the mover and shaker a little bit in her family and even in our family. And she's kind of the one to take action on things. And, and as they stood out there in that room, as it was filled just with stuff, storage, we realized, well, what do we need to do to move forward with actually making this space usable. First step, you gotta get rid of everything that's in here. Everything 
that doesn't belong, anything that's not useful, anything that's just taking up space that could be used. And the same is true in our hearts as we think of the message of Christmas. And even in the season of Christmas, we can so easily miss out on what Jesus brings to us because our hearts have no room to receive. Because of all the other junk that's, that's taking up space. Fear or anxiety or worries or stress or frustration or confusion. And even sin, when it gets down to it. The sin that has creeped into our lives and is taking our eyes off of Jesus. And I want to take a moment right now to allow God to show us and to allow God to examine your heart to see what is taking up room in your heart that doesn't belong. And I want to suggest three things here from Isaiah 40 primarily, and we'll jump back a little bit to Matthew chapter 3. But the first thing that might be taking up space in our hearts is difficult circumstances. Now you might think, well, difficulties, difficult circumstances, we can't get rid of difficulties. We can't change our circumstances. If we're going through something difficult, we can't just remove it. We can't just get rid of it. These difficulties are something that we have to go through, something that we have to deal with. But what can so often happen is we can allow our difficulties to overtake us or to consume us or to overwhelm us. And before we know it, those difficulties have, dwelling on those difficulties, dwelling on the hardships have taken up so much bandwidth in our hearts, so much bandwidth in our minds. I love this quote from Billy Graham as it pertains to anxiety over difficulties and hardships. He said, anxiety is the natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God's will for us. Have we allowed difficulties to be right at the center of our hearts? These are stressful times in which we're living. We're entering into this Christmas season with a lot of difficulties that surround us, and not just the difficulties in our society, but each one of us are dealing with personal difficulties, family difficulties, grief, loss, or whatever it might be. But the good news that we have here is that these difficulties don't need to overwhelm us. They don't need to take up space in our hearts. Because what does Jesus want to do for us? And this is really the message that we can take with us about our difficulties. Isaiah 40, again, at verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And listen to this. It says, Cry to her that her warfare is ended. And what this is referring to is the time where the Israelites, God's people, 
would be freed from their captivity in Babylon, where they had been living as strangers and, and exiles, and where they, they experienced extreme difficulty. But God has good news for them, that their warfare would end. Now, I'm not here today to say that your difficulties are going to go away today or that your difficulties are going to go away tomorrow. What I'm here to say is that this promise is for us, that one day our warfare will end. One day our difficulties will end. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ, if if you are trusting in him as your savior, as the one who gives you eternal life, as the one who has forgiven you of all of your sins, one day your warfare will end. Our warfare as a church will end. As believers, our warfare will end. Our difficulties will come to an end because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And when he rose again from the dead, he defeated death. He defeated sin. And one day, the promise is that he will restore us and give us eternal life. He will give us the promise that he is, he will fulfill the promise that he has given us to be in eternity with him one day. And because of that promise, we don't have to allow those difficulties to take up space in our hearts. Instead, we can dwell on the fact that Jesus came. And because Jesus came, that one day our warfare will end. The second thing that can take up space in our hearts are destructive things. So difficult things, now destructive things. And by destructive things, I mean sin. John the Baptist's primary message, what was his primary message? If you flip back to Matthew chapter 3, his primary message was repent. It says that the people came to John to be baptized by him. They came confessing their sins. What I want to ask you today is what destructive things might be taking up space in your heart that Jesus wants to remove. There's a lot of anger going around these days. Could it be disrespect for authority? Could it be a critical spirit toward a coworker or a family member? Could it be resentment? Could it be bitterness? Or could it be apathy, just apathy to the things of God? Or could it be self-righteousness? That was one thing that John specifically called out here is self-righteousness. When he saw the Pharisees, the Pharisees who put faith in, in, in their righteous works, in their righteous deeds before God, basically saying, I'm going to 
live as the best person that I can and God will be pleased with me? What did he say to them as they came to him? It says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? They weren't coming for repentance. They were coming to just simply come and check out this this interesting man that everyone's talking about and coming out to see who is this John the Baptist. I'm going to be where the action is. But Jesus knew their hearts and knew that they thought they were righteous before God because of their, their, their good works. And that's sin. Self-righteousness is sin. So I don't know what it is for you. I don't know how God might be searching your heart in the destructive things that he wants to remove. But I have good news for you. Back in Isaiah chapter 40, not only that your warfare will end, but Jesus says this to his people, that her iniquity is pardoned. That's the reason for the comfort that we can receive through Isaiah 40. These words in Isaiah 40 is that our iniquity is pardoned because of Jesus' coming to this earth. I love, love that promise in Psalms that says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us and he remembers them no more. That's the comfort that Jesus brings. Last, what might be taking up space in your heart? Maybe it's distracting things. What might be distracting you from living in the hope and and the joy that Jesus brings that we celebrate at Christmas? There can be so many things. There can be even good things that clutter our hearts and to keep us, that will keep us from receiving God's best for us. Could it be a hobby that you're spending too much time with? Could it be too many work hours and maybe you're on the verge of burnout? Or maybe you're neglecting your family because of too much work? Or is it too much play, too much time for leisure? Could it be too much reading or too much news? Or too much time on social media? Just recently, I was over at Kay's Coffee over in Old Town. And I noticed in the corner as you come in to the coffee shop there that there's a sign on the wall with a box underneath it. And it said something about the year 2020. And it says, this is your place where you can dispose of anything that does not serve you. 
And I thought about that. I thought about it from a secular standpoint. That, yeah, we can, we can come into a place like that and just say, you know what? This, whatever it is, is difficult in my life. This is not serving me. I'm going to write it on a piece of paper and I'm going to dispose of it. But from a spiritual standpoint, Jesus does something even greater. Something that he replaces with his blessings and what he wants to give us. Not just something that we write down on a piece of paper and think that that problem's going to go away. That distraction is going to go away. Look at what it says in Isaiah 40. Verse 2, the last part of verse 2, it says, this is another reason for comfort, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Not only has he removed our sins from us, but then he's blessed us beyond measure. And he will bless us. We know that, that ultimately that blessing that we will be in eternity with him one day is the ultimate blessing that he has poured out on us. What is distracting you, though, from missing out on the blessings that God wants to give you through Jesus? My challenge this Advent, now normally, the season of Lent is where often people will give something up. But I want to challenge us this Advent to think about something, to think about an, a, a distraction, a distraction in your life that you could give up. What's one distraction that you could give up that will help you center your heart on Jesus and what he wants to give is it listening to the news? And maybe instead taking time in the day to listen to the audio Bible? Is it deleting a social media channel from your phone? Deleting an app on your phone? Is it as you're driving, choosing to just sit in silence? And in a time of prayer, rather than turning on a podcast or listening to the radio? Is it late night TV that you could give up to just spend a little bit of time in the Word or reading an Advent devotional? Or could it be giving up criticizing one person that you might be prone to criticize? I challenge you to take this Advent and to give up one distraction. One distraction that could be taking up space in your heart. In closing, I want to highlight for us several ways that Jesus wants to fill our hearts. Now, that idea of Jesus filling our hearts can seem kind of abstract, what I want to do is close with several promises of Scripture, of ways that he not only removes what's not supposed to be there, but how he fills our hearts through his coming. 
Philippians 4, 6 through 7, says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Psalm 107 9. It says, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. For those of you who have a hard heart right now, the Lord says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Be strong and courageous, the Lord says. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Colossians 2, 13 through 14, this caps it off through what Jesus came to do. It says, And you who are dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. All these promises that I just read are just the beginning. Just the beginning of what Jesus wants to do and, and to, to, to fill your heart with. Do you have room in your heart for what Jesus wants to give you this Christmas? I think this is a very unique time for us. Could it be that God is freeing up time and freeing up space for us to really receive what we are supposed to receive at Christmas. Hope is not found in the warm and fuzzy feelings of when we see the Christmas lights. Peace is not simply found sitting next to the Christmas tree with the lights on and the fireplace going. That can bring peace for a moment. Joy is not 
found just simply in the Christmas parties or even the gatherings. Those are great blessings. But the ultimate joy, the ultimate hope, the ultimate peace, the ultimate love we find in Jesus. I'm going to invite the team forward as they prepare for our final song. And as they do, I want to pray. I want to pray a prayer that God would truly do a work in our own hearts to strip away any distraction, anything that's destructive, anything that is difficult right now, and help us to center our hearts upon him and what he wants to give us through Jesus Christ. God, as David prayed, that God, you have searched me and you have known me. He also prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there be any evil way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I pray that as we enter into this season of Advent right now, you really would do this work of preparing the way just as that that image of preparing the highway for the arrival of the king. God, that you would do that in each one of our hearts. And we'd be open, God, open to all the blessings that you want to give us. In Jesus' name, amen.